0: Hey, so I know some of you are new, so um, I'm going to emphasize something to you that we've been talking about every week. And for those of you that have been here, you're probably like, come on, Ian, how many times are you going to say this? This is like the sixth time. But for those of you who are new, I think it's important that we kind of lay the groundwork about what we're about here. And so let me just say we do not support any negative comments about anyone, nor do we support any kind of divisiveness. We want to experience the peace and the unity that only Jesus can bring. So we will not gossip, we will not slander, and we will not defend. We don't want to dwell on the past. What we want to do is just press on and move forward and look for what God is going to do and whatever he's going to bless. So here on Wednesday nights, our focus is always going to be on loving God and loving people while we're in fellowship with each other. That's what it's about. Jesus, family, fellowship. That's our mission so you know last week we talked about joy and i gave you five reasons that we could always have joy no matter what's going on in our lives right you got to have how many of you got joy tonight you feeling some joy tonight amen i challenge you to be a joy sower and not a joy sucker because jesus was a joy sower and many of you shared your bible verses your favorite bible verses about joy you did that on our band app I just want to say thank you for doing that. That was such a blessing to see everybody on there putting their verses out there, encouraging one another. You encouraged me. You gave me some joy when I was reading that, so thank you so much. But I want to begin tonight by telling you about the significance of communion and its relationship with the Passover. If you didn't know, we are going to have communion tonight here under the sky outside. This is the first time I've ever done communion outside. This is going to be cool. But I want to talk about the significance of how communion and Passover, are related. Passover was one of the most widely celebrated Jewish holidays. And it has its origins in the book of Exodus, where God promised to rescue his people from the bondage that they were under from Pharaoh, who was the king of Egypt. And uh, you might remember that God sent Moses to Pharaoh and, and he told him to tell him, let my people go. How many of you remember the old Ten Commandments movies with Charlton Heston? You remember that? Let my people go. I watched that right before we came out here. That was pretty cool. But Pharaoh, you know, he refused. He refused Moses. And so as a result of his refusal, what did God do? He sent ten plagues around, uh, on Egypt, remember? And the worst of those plagues was the tenth and final one. That was the plague in which God killed every single firstborn male and animal all in egypt remember that and on that night that god sent this final plague he told the israelites hey i want you to sacrifice a lamb and it needs to be an unblemished lamb. and unblemished just simply means without any physical defects all right it was perfect and what they were supposed to do with this lamb is they were supposed to take the blood of the lamb and they would wipe it on the doorposts of their home." And then in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, God said that the blood on the houses would be a distinguishing mark, and when he saw it, he would pass over that home. So what happened is God's Spirit, as he came down and descended over Egypt, every single home that he saw that had the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, he passed over it. And every single home that he saw that didn't have the blood, the firstborn was killed in that home. That was the plague. And so God protected all of the Israelite people by the blood of a lamb. And because he passed over them, this is considered the first Passover. And it's this Passover that has great significance to all of us today, because Jesus is our Passover. He is the sinless, spotless, perfect lamb of God, who shed his blood for you and for me. And just like the Israelites applied the blood of the lamb to their homes to avoid physical death, you and I apply the blood of Jesus by faith to cleanse us from our sins and to save us from spiritual death. Just as God delivered the Israelites from the slavery in Egypt, so does Jesus' sacrificial death deliver us from the slavery of sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, it says that in him, meeting Jesus, We have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins. And then the Apostle Paul, he puts an exclamation point on all of this when he says in 1 Corinthians 5-7, Christ is our Passover lamb, and he was sacrificed for us. You see, Jesus is our Passover. His body was broken, and his blood was poured out for you and me. This is what communion is all about. You know, communion is one of two church ordinances that we practice today. The other one is baptism, and I can't wait to teach on that one. I actually can't wait to see somebody baptized right here. So if you guys know of anyone that needs to get baptized, come talk to me. We'll figure that out. Even if we've got to get a horse trough or something, we'll do it right here. All we got to do is immerse them. That's what it's about. So Jesus instituted communion during the Jewish Passover celebration, and he did this with his 12 disciples during his final Passover meal on the night before his brutal death. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all record the story of communion. It's also known as the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, the Last Supper. There's several names for it. And this is what we're going to celebrate together tonight. Now, the purpose of communion is simply to remember Jesus' death and the great sacrifice that he made for you and for me. We'll talk about the significance of the bread and the wine here in a bit, but what I really want to focus on tonight is before we partake of communion together, is what Paul records here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Feel free. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 and 29. We're going to camp out on those verses. It says here, beginning in verse 27, Paul says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. We first need to understand the context of what's going on here. What was Paul dealing with to make him say this? What was going on, if you read just before this, if you read the preceding verses, you'll find out that Paul had just given the Corinthians a scathing rebuke. It was because for how they were acting and how they were treating the Passover meal. The Corinthians, they weren't really interested in the Lord's Supper at all. They weren't sharing meals together for those in need. They weren't taking it seriously. They were getting drunk. And in fact, they were making a mockery of the Lord's Supper through their actions. And Paul rebuked them harshly for it. So when Paul says in verse 27, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, This is not referring to whether you and I need to be worthy enough to take communion. That's what the enemy wants us to think. That's what he wants to remind us of, is that we're not worthy enough. Well, the fact is, none of us are worthy enough, right? None of us are worthy. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. If the Lord's Supper was about our worthiness, then none of us could ever partake of it, right? It's not about our worthiness. It's about his righteousness, that's what it's about. That's what give us, gives us the right to partake of the Lord's Supper, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The unworthy manner that Paul describes in this text is referring to the illegitimate manner in which the Corinthian people were partaking of the Lord's Supper. They were taking something sacred, and they were treating it as if it was common. It was no longer significant to them, and they were missing the point of communion altogether. That's the warning that Paul is giving us in this text. Communion should be a special time. It should be an intimate time. It's an intimate time to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. So Paul tells us exactly what we are to do before we partake of communion. He says in verse 28 that we are to examine ourselves. And it's this phrase that I'm going to focus the majority of our attention on tonight. What did Paul mean here? He meant that we need to take a serious spiritual inventory of our heart and of our mind. Okay, I'm going to share three primary ways that we need to examine ourselves. The first is simply this, examine our faith. Paul says in 2 Corinthians thirteen five, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. We need to have a faith examination we need to test ourselves. Is there evidence of Jesus in your life right now? We don't look to the past. We don't look to some distant thing in the past of maybe as a kid, you raised your hand and said, yes, Lord. No, we've got to look right now in the present. Is there evidence of Jesus in your life right now? We don't look to the past. All right. So is there evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life right now? And you know, in Galatians chapter five, Paul lays out the kind of fruit that the holy spirit produces It's about love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control is there that kind of fruit in your life right now as you examine your faith ask yourself that is there when we examine our faith we should see this kind of fruit in our lives and then another test for doing a faith examination is where is our confidence is it in ourselves or is it in Jesus? Do you trust in Jesus above anything and anyone, including yourself? Where is your trust? If it's in our job or if it's in our money, if it's in our stuff or other people, ourselves, or anything other than Jesus, then we need to repent and we need to put our trust right where it belongs. In the only one who is worthy of our trust, Jesus. Jesus. Now, I want you to listen to the words of King David from Psalm 63. This is a man after God's own heart, the Bible refers to him. He trusted God. Listen to these words. These are awesome. God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Isn't that awesome? Doesn't that sound like a man who trusts God right there? He searches for him. He thirsts for him. He longs for him. He praises him. He meditates on him. He sings for joy over him, and he clings to him. Does this characterize your faith? Examine yourselves and see if you are in the faith. So when it comes to examining our faith, we've got to ask ourselves, what kind of fruit is in our lives? In other words, what is the evidence in our lives that reveals that we really are in the faith? And where is our confidence? Is it solely and completely in Jesus? These are all things that we can do to examine our faith. Now, the second way that we can examine ourselves, I love his shoes, man. They're just bright. Such a cute little man. The second way that we should examine ourselves is to examine our obedience. Are we obeying God's word? Are we acting on what we hear? John makes this crystal clear in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, where he says this, This is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly in him, the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. Man, that is one of my favorite scriptures. I love the book of 1 John. Do you want to know that you know Jesus? Then examine your obedience. Are you keeping his commands? Now, let me be clear about obedience. There's something I want to clear up here. Our obedience is not what saves us. Do you hear me? That's not what saves us. It's only by his grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ alone, that we are saved. Our obedience is just the evidence that we are saved. That's what that is. And let me also clarify what is meant by that word keep in that text that John just gave us. He said this is how we know that we know him. If we keep his commands. Now listen to me real closely, lean in. Our obedience is not about perfection, it's about direction. It's not about perfection, it's about direction. We know this because if we look at John 17, 6, Jesus is praying to his Father about the disciples, and he says this, I have revealed to you the ones that you have gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they kept your word, it says. Man, that word kept jumped right out of me. It jumped right out of me because I was like, wait a minute. They, meaning his disciples, They've kept your word? Really? These guys, they kept your word? These are the guys who at the Last Supper were arguing over who was the greatest. You remember that? Later that very night, each one of them would abandon Jesus, right? They abandoned him and ran away in fear that very night as he was arrested take to be crucified. And then Peter denied Jesus even after Jesus told him that he was going to do it twice before the rooster crowed. And Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas? He doubted the resurrection. Jesus knew all of this, and he still says here in his prayer that they kept his word. So what's the deal with that? It's because Jesus wasn't looking at perfection. He was looking at the overall direction of their lives. And thank goodness for that, right? Because you and I make mistakes all the time, don't we? Man, praise the Lord that his mercies are new every morning. Lamentations chapter 3. Love that. So, our overall direction in life is what matters. And that direction should always be striving to walk just as Jesus walked. So, we examine our obedience. And the third way that we should examine ourselves is to examine ourselves from God's perspective. We've got to examine ourselves from God's perspective. It can be difficult for us to examine ourselves. Because we sometimes don't even know our own hearts, do we? We don't know our own hearts. You know why? Jeremiah 17:9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We absolutely cannot properly examine ourselves without the help of God. Our heart can often deceive us. True self-examination is something only the Holy Spirit can do. This is why King David says this in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This should be our prayer when we examine ourselves right there. We need to ask the Lord to reveal anything that offends him, and when he reveals it, then we need to ask for forgiveness and repent of it. All right, so before we take communion together, here's what I want to do. I want to invite each of you to take a few minutes right there at your seat and examine yourselves. Now, if you want to stand up and you want to walk around and get alone with the Lord, that is completely fine. If you want to stay right here in your seat, that's fine, too. This is your time. We're going to take a few minutes for you to examine yourselves. It's a time that we want to get alone with the Lord so that we can examine ourselves by examining our faith. By examining our obedience, and by examining ourselves from God's perspective. Now, if you want to leave your seat, and you want to come up here and pray with me, I'll be right here. If there's other people that you want to pray with in communion together, while we're examining ourselves, you are welcome to do that too, okay? We're all about freedom here. There's no rules in any of that. We just love on one another. We just praise Jesus, okay? So don't sweat it. Now, I want you to think about, though, as we we spend this time together here's some questions i want you to think about these are th- questions that you can ask yourself is jesus, jesus jesus that's his name right jesus i don't know what's up y'all i don't know if it's the son of my eyes or whatever it is or if it's the enemy trying to confuse my words you know what let me just pause for a minute and pray father i just ask right now i have been distracted from the moment i stepped up here and i just pray jesus that you would call my spirit these are your words This is your time. These are your people. And so we pray against the enemy from having any dominion at all here. We just cast him out of our presence in Jesus' name. And we stand upon your word that is our rock, Lord. Give us peace that we can truly lean into you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. I should have done that earlier, you guys. All right, so here are the questions. Is Jesus living inside of you right now? And how do you know that? Does my life reflect the Holy Spirit's work in me through the fruits of the Spirit? Where is my confidence? Do I trust Jesus completely, or am I putting my trust in someone else, including myself? Is my faith characterized by a strong desire to cling to Jesus? Have I fully submitted to Jesus? Is he the Lord of my life, in addition to being Savior? Do I have any ill will or jealousy towards someone else? Is there someone that I need to be reconciled with? Is there someone that I need to forgive? Am I obeying what Jesus commands? Am I living out my faith doing what the word says? Am I loving God and loving people like Jesus did? And lastly, and most importantly, am I asking the Lord to search my heart as David did? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Is the Lord revealing anything to you right now that you need to repent of? Is there sin in your life that you need to deal with right now? These are all questions that you can ask yourself as we examine ourselves before we partake of communion together. And so while we do this, I'm going to play a song for you. It's a powerful song. There's powerful words in it. And you just spend this time with the Lord, okay? And we'll come back together, we'll pray, and then we'll have communion in fellowship together.
1: I see shattered, you see home. I see broke. You see beautiful And you're helping me To believe You're restoring me Piece by piece There's nothing to do me in
0: Get one of the communion cups here. You did? All right, so, hey, before we do this, I'm going to give you a little remedial class, okay? Because I failed the first time I used this. There is a translucent kind of purplish on the top. If you'll peel that back and leave the thicker one on the bottom until we get to it, the top is going to be the bread, and beneath is going to be the wine. When I first did this, I pulled the whole thing back, just messed the whole thing up. So hopefully that'll be easy for you. But what I want to do is I want to read from Scripture. This is a very important time to celebrate this. The Word tells us to do this often, right? And uh, I'm going to read from Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 here. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So here's what I'd like for you to do is to take that bread out of the top of that cup. Once you get it out from the top, if you could just hold that up. And what I want you to do is I want you to break it. Just break it in half. Okay, this bread right here symbolizes Jesus' body. All right, that was broken for you and me on the cross. Now, what's cool is you know by Scripture that not one bone in his body was broken. That fulfilled a prophecy. But his body was broken in a sense that it was beaten, that it was whipped, that it was scourged, it was scarred, and there was blood. He died for you and me. He says in his word that I am the bread of life. Anyone who eats of me, right, and drinks my blood, will never ever be hungry or thirsty again. So as we partake of this bread that symbolizes his body, We are saying, right, that we agree with him. We thank him for what he's done. So if you'll just take this bread and let's just, let's eat it. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So if you'll take the cup, and again, it's the foil on the bottom. If you'll peel that back. Whoever invented this is pretty cool. I mean, come on. All right, so this blood, if you'll hold the cup up, obviously this is wine. This symbolizes Jesus' blood that he shed for you and I, for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant, right? Jesus, when he came and fulfilled the Old Testament, what he did is he did away with the old sacrificial system, right? That every time someone sinned, there had to be a sacrifice. Because remember, Scripture says that there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Jesus did away with that once and for all by what he did on the cross. So we take this cup and we drink it in remembrance of him. Go ahead and do that. Scripture goes on to say, It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Aren't you all excited about him coming? So until he comes, we are to proclaim his death. That simply means that we are to proclaim the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We keep proclaiming that day after day, no matter what comes our way. We talked about joy last week, right? We can have joy no matter what because of what Jesus did on the cross. So what we just did tonight, taking communion together is is very special because this is something we do in fellowship together, in communion together. All right. Isn't that awesome? I love you guys. I'm so thankful that you all are here. So I'm going to close this in prayer and I'm going to ask my wife to come up. She's going to talk about what's happening on Sunday. All right. So let's bow our heads. Father, we love you. You are holy. You are worthy. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. We don't take that lightly. We take it seriously. Lord, we don't want to be like those Corinthians people who partook of communion in an unworthy manner, and now we know, we understand what that means, and that's the seriousness of it that we've got to examine ourselves. This is serious. What you did is serious. But we also recognize that by what you did, you defeated death and sin and Satan, all of it, all in one fell swoop. And we thank you. We can walk in freedom because of what you've done. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that you'd minister to our hearts, that you'd help us, that if there's someone that we need to reconcile ourselves with that maybe is not here tonight, that you'll put it upon our heart to go take care of that when we leave. Help us not to put that off. Help us to make that right. Like the word says, Lord, we're not to let anything come between us. We should be united as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we thank you for what you're doing here every Wednesday night. We thank you for our future together that we believe is going to be bright. We thank you because we know you'll be glorified in whatever happens. And so we trust you with that. In Jesus' name, amen.